Welcome back. How's it going? This episode is called Do You Want to Be Well? And this one is going to be pretty much a straight up sermon. So buckle in. I've been cooking on this one for a bit and there are some life stories in it too. So get ready. My name is John. I was trained as a pastor, and this is one of the ways in which I'm trying to give a sermon, try to give something good to the world. And this one is all about just health. And I've alluded to some of the ideas that will be in this one for quite some time, but you might hear in the background that there are some birds and things happening because I'm sitting at my desk and the windows are open and I have this little statue of St. Francis and it just makes me smile to hear birds off in the distance. And I have St. Francis right here sitting on my desk looking at me as I'm doing this. So that's fun. I'm going to record this, put it up, and then see if I can spend a majority of my time outside today. So we'll see. But this one is all about being well, being healthy, Physically, emotionally, spiritually, psychologically, socially. Did I say that one? Anyways, this one is called, Do You Want to Be Well? I have uh, a story that I need to share from my own life. And then we're going to read a passage from the Gospel of John, one of the biographies of Jesus. And then I've got some tips and some advice and maybe some questions that I've picked up along the way, even in my own life journey. So I hope this is good. And if you think it's good, maybe give it a share to someone who also is dealing with the topic of trying to be healthier, not just for themselves, but maybe for other people too. So let's do this. Uh, Let's get in. Let's get into it. All right. This is... um, This is going to be a challenging one, I hope, in a good way, because this is a topic of which everyone deals with at some point in their life. So let's start, like I said, with the story. So a number of years ago, I used to be a chaplain of a hospital. It was only for a couple months, maybe... um, seven or eight months. It was just for this internship that I had, but I was also responsible for being the chaplain on the psych ward. And it was an eye-opening experience. And so I would go into the hospital and I would check in and then I would get a roster every single day of which rooms would like a visit. And sometimes it would just say the name and it wouldn't tell me what they wanted me for. And so sometimes I would walk into a room and sit down with someone who's just about to have their leg amputated. And so how do you sit and console and pray with someone who's just about to lose a limb in the next 10 minutes because you just got there in time? But when I went into the psych ward, which it was an incredible experience, I had to do a few things. I had to (laughs) lead a talk about spirituality with all these people. And it was, um, at first it was kind of rough. It was, it took a little getting used to because 
I had to learn to talk about the spiritual life in a way that I didn't feel like I was compromising, yet it was universally understood by people that didn't know church lingo, by people that didn't have any exposure to any form of spirituality whatsoever. How do you communicate to people like that? Well, I had to learn through trial and error by being thrown right into the midst of it. But what I noticed is that uh, people would come in and they would stay for maybe two, two weeks. Um, and sometimes they would go home early. Sometimes they would come back for another stint, I guess. But they would stay and we would have conversations. And over time, I got to speak with some of the nurses. And they said, well, a lot of these people have dual diagnosis. In, in one sense, they have a personality disorder that's happening. They're dealing with something like that. But that's also connected to some form of substance abuse. And so the two uh, variables would interact with one another. And so some people would try to self-medicate their own personality issues by using meth, by using narcotics, by diving into some really heavy stuff. And so really the two weeks that they would spend in the hospital would be a matter of them sobering up from all of that. And then they would go home, hopefully better and with a, a decent medication that they were supposed to follow. Now, every so often, there would be a few people that the nurses would say, oh, we've had this person in before, and this person hasn't been in before. And there would be a few times when I would see someone, like, oh, I remember them. And it's because there's sometimes a cycle that people would fall into, that there would be health for a few weeks and then people would go back to their unhealth. They would hit rock bottom. And then they'd be readmitted and then come back and then spend two weeks where they would kind of sober up and get some pep talks and then get a, hopefully a medication that works. And then sometimes the cycle would go on. And this all leads into a great question. Do you want to be well? And sometimes people get stuck in that cycle. And maybe there's a part of their, that cycle that feeds them. Um, and we're going to talk about that. But in order to do it, I also need to tell you where that question comes from. Do you want to be well? Comes from John chapter 5. So I'm going to read it for you. We're going to talk about it. I have a few points from there. And then we're just going to build the conversation off of that passage. You ready? Here we go. Sometime later, Jesus went up to Jerusalem for one of the Jewish festivals. Now there is in Jerusalem near the Sheep Gate a pool, which in Aramaic is called Bethesda, and which is surrounded by five covered colonnades, that means porches. Here, a great number of disabled people used to lie, the blind, the lame, the paralyzed. One who was there had been an invalid for 38 years. His legs didn't work. When Jesus saw him lying there and learned that he had been in this condition for a long time, he asked him, do you want to be well? Sir, he replied, I have no one to help me into the pool when the water is stirred. And while I'm trying to get in, someone else goes down ahead of me. Then Jesus said to him, get up, pick up your mat and walk. 
At once the man was cured, he picked up his mat and walked. The day on which this took place was a Sabbath. And so the Jewish leader said to the man who had been healed, It is the Sabbath. The law forbids you to carry your mat. It's like the classic example of missing the miracle or the big point of what just happened, right? But he replied, The man who made me well said to me, Pick up your mat and walk. So they asked him, Who is this fellow who told you to pick it up and walk? The man who was healed had no idea who he was, for Jesus had slipped away into the crowd that was there. Later, Jesus found him at the temple and said to him, See, you are well again. Stop sinning or something worse may happen to you. The man went away and told the Jewish leaders that it was Jesus who made him well. That's the passage. We're going to talk about that for the rest of our time. And this is a, a, it's a rather famous passage, and there's multiple layers that are possibly going on with it. Some people have wondered if the five is really a numeric reference to the Torah, to the law, that people who are living under the law and not under grace are dealing with a whole different set of issues. But regardless, this passage is also about asking the man, does he want to be well? And the pool was known for having healing properties. I mean, hot tubs are very relaxing, aren't they? And so for this man to try to get down there, it was too much of a rush and he wasn't ever able to do it on his own. And so here is a story of somebody coming to him rather than he going to the water. So I have a few main points from this passage. One, do you want to be well? Is a prime question that could also be asked of the people that I met in the psych ward the people that I met in the hospital, and really people that I've met in life situations ever since then. It's a great question to ask. Do you want to be well? And uh, that has big implications because you might interact with people and you might even be someone yourself who doesn't really want to be well. Maybe you like your life of unhealth. Well, that's, that's an issue, so we're going to talk about that. The second one, when Jesus says towards the end of the story, see, you've been made well, don't sin anymore so that nothing worse will happen to you. For those of you that are listening that maybe are uncomfortable with that word sin, I'm going to redefine it in three different ways right now, okay? And these are all ancient ways that people have understood this term sin. First, sin from Augustine, pastor back in the 300s used to say that sin is loving the wrong things too much. So that would be a way of saying, don't love the wrong things too much anymore or else something worse will happen to you. Another one comes from Thomas Aquinas, who was also building off of Augustine, who said that sin is the lack of what is good. It's the absence of the good. Stop filling your life with the absence of good things or else something worse might happen to you. And then the third one, which is great, comes from Teilhard de Chardin, who was a Catholic priest. And he said, one of his definitions was that sin is the purposeful choice of being unhealthy. And that's a hard one to swallow. Stop 
chasing unhealth or else something worse will happen to you. This is a beautiful passage. I mean, there's so much wound up in it. And even if you aren't necessarily a frequent church going person, there is something in this story that's deep about the human experience. And I know of a story of two friends that that met up for lunch. This is like years ago. And one friend was, the life was going off the rails. And the other friend knew it, but wanted to wait and see if this friend would bring it up. And over the course of lunch, the topic was never brought up. And so the other friend saw that as the end of the friendship because it was an issue of, okay, this person doesn't want to be well. They are in full-scale denial. And so for every one of us, if we're trying to pursue health, do you want to get well? We also have to do the hard work of overcoming our denial and our defense mechanisms because every single one of us have ways in which we either justify or avoid or rationalize the way we go about our lives, especially the parts that, that are unhealthy, but somehow we like the unhealth of it. And so I, I'm a fervent believer that a good faith background, a, a healthy spirituality will grant you the, the grace and the courage and the strength to look at your own issues head on, whether it's physical health, emotional health, spiritual health, all of these things, social dynamics, a healthy approach to faith will engage and actually will kind of shove you into the midst of these things that maybe you're trying to keep a blind eye to. This goes to say, not only do you have to ask yourself, do you want to be well, but you also have to ask, do other people want to be well around me? Because we are often the sum of the five people we spend the most amount of time with. We all know people who, due to their own life choices, have made a habit of loving the wrong things too much. Some of us may even know people who have an addiction to keeping a lack of good in their life. And then we may even know people who purposefully choose to live in unhealth, regardless of the, the input and the care of other people. I say this because there are some people who are listening who are probably helpers and really love to help people. But you might, for your own health, Take a moment and have to ask whether or not this person is a bottomless pit or a black hole. That sounds really negative, but follow me. You might know people in your life who suck the life out of you. And maybe you're a helper type. And so you really want to help them. And that's good and noble. But sometimes if you have somebody who always gives on one side and another person who always takes, that becomes a symbiotic, unhealthy relationship. And so how brilliant is it that Jesus, before he does anything, 
seeks out whether or not this man is a black hole, whether or not he's ready to be helped. And so Jesus asks the question up front, do you want to be well? Because sometimes we may need to say to ourselves, this person isn't ready to be helped yet. That might sound very hard, but it's actually a matter of you being healthier by recognizing whether or not you are going to be giving energy into something that's not really going to be received well. There's so many dynamics that are going on here in this passage, and it's so brilliant. One of my favorite uh, people to quote is St. Ignatius, who said at one point, you want to change the world? You want to reform the world? Reform yourself first, or else all of your work will be in vain. You can spend your whole life helping other people. But if you're helping other people from an unhealthy place yourself, there's a chance all of your work might be in vain. One of the best outcomes of having a true, good, and beautiful spiritual path is that you (laughs) care about being healthy yourself physically, spiritually, emotionally, psychologically, all of those things. Because this is what it means to love your neighbor as yourself. You can't really help other people be healthy if you aren't chasing health for yourself. And so for others to get well, you need to get well. And unfortunately, in order for you to become healthier, let's say you start Uh, eating better, going to gym more, you set better boundaries at work, you have an equal balance of work life and a social life, you get enough sleep, maybe you turn down going out late at night because you're like, no, it's important for me to get at least seven hours of sleep a night. It's a that can be really threatening to some people. They might be really offended because by you being healthy in all of those ways, it's going to not necessarily convict them, but it's going to kind of shine a light, maybe not on purpose, but it's going to shine a light on the fact that maybe they need to change some of their values a little bit. When this happens... There's usually two, two things that, that come about. And these are both things that I've experienced. When you start setting boundaries, when you start being healthy, when you start chasing after what is good for you, other people might get angry at you. Or they might start avoiding you. And it's because just by you living, not even talking about it, maybe you're not even trying to point it out, but just by you living it, you maybe just called out their unhealth simply by being healthier and choosing not to do those things anymore. So when you have friends or people that avoid you or get angry at you, you can ask yourself, okay, hold on. Is this legitimate? Do they have real reason to be angry at me? Are they avoiding me on purpose? And then ask yourself, is it potentially because I'm getting healthier? I have a few questions then. Let's wrap it up. I have some questions for you to ask yourself. And uh, they're kind of 
banking off of this passage too in John chapter 5. The first one, if you're a helper and you enjoy helping other people, that's wonderful, but you've got to help people from a healthy place yourself. You have to ask yourself, does this other person really want to be well? Or is there a chance I might get sucked into their cycle? Hmm. And then say to yourself, because I don't want to help anybody who doesn't want to really be helped. That's a great question. Next one, am I well? And then you can even ask yourself, do I really want to be more well? Do I really want to be healthier? And you have to take an honest assessment. And in all honesty, you're the only one that can answer that question. No one else can answer that question for you. Other people might try to answer it for you, but you have to own the gift of life that you've been given. Next question. Who do I trust to help me on my own path towards wellness? So this man who had been paralyzed Jesus came along and asked, do you want to be well? And then he said, sir, I would love to be well, but I can't get down to the water quick enough. He invited Jesus into his story. He just shared his personal story with Jesus as he came along. Who are the people in your life that you can share your story with? Who, get this, are people that can actually help. I'm not a fan of people going around and uh, sharing things with people who can't really make a difference. It's a hard thing to do, but it's, it's a wise thing. Invite people into the parts of your life who can actually help you and want to be a part of it and might be there for the long run because they really care and who are leading or living from a healthy place themselves. And then here's the last question. You can ask yourself this. Am I willing to commit to whatever it takes for me to be healthy emotionally, physically, socially, psychologically, spiritually? And then say, answer that question resolutely, deeply, with conviction and with purpose. Am I willing to do whatever it takes to be healthier? Even if it means I have to cut out a friend group over there. Even if it means I've got to learn to interact with people from work differently. Even if it means I have to (laughs) no longer engage in conversations with this person over there. Maybe it means... Ugh talking to family members on a more limited basis because they're not operating out of health yet for themselves. Now, some people might say these topics have nothing to do with faith or spirituality or anything of the matter. But I disagree. I've said it before and I will probably quote it a whole bunch for the rest of my life. But St. Irenaeus would say, the most wonderful the most wonderful thing for god is for you to be fully alive in every capacity not just spiritually because sometimes 
we have approaches to faith that box us into saying faith only cares about faith subjects rather than saying, no, faith actually has something to say about everything, which if you ask me, that is a faith with more integrity because it has found a way to be integrated with every other part of your life. And if you don't think that God is passionately concerned with you thriving and being well and healthier and man, all of those things, then I have good news for you. You're wrong. <laughs> of course, God cares about those things. And so why not care about those things for yourself and encourage other people to care about those things for themselves? Let's wrap it up. All right. Let's finish with a good old benediction. May you, the listener, uh, make a resolute and passionate and intentional decision to chase after health. May you not only invite God into the task of being well for yourself, but may you also take stock of the people that you can depend on and trust and invite into your own story of your struggles from the past. And may you find a good community that wants to help you be well. May you find the strength and the endurance and the courage to overcome your own denial and defense mechanisms and take an honest stock of your life and what are the cycles that you need to break. May you live life in a way that is wonderful to God because it's healthy for you and other people. Mm. So be it. May grace and peace be with you every step of this journey. Be well.